Distractions, they can happen to all of us at any time. Interruptions come into our lives. They steal our attention away from the things that matter most. The truth is, we run into distractions all of the time. I don't know how often these days I find myself driving down the road from one place to another and I get behind another driver and they seem to speed up and slow down. And they weave to this side of the road, and they weave to that side of the road. And all I'm thinking about is if you'll just give me enough time to get around you, you won't have to worry about me anymore. Now, there was a time in my life when if I got behind that kind of driver, I had an assumption, and maybe you did too, I would think this person is intoxicated. There's no doubt about it. They've been drinking. That's why they're weaving all over the road. These days, I never think that anymore. I think the same thing I do. You do. This is what I think. If you'll just put that telephone down, then I can get around you because I know what's going on. They're using their phone. They're texting on their phone. They're doing social media on their phone. But their phone is sitting right there on top of their steering wheel as they drive down the road. Distractions. 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 We have to remind ourselves sometimes we need to focus on the things that matter most. Heard a story one time about a farmer who stepped out onto his front porch and he saw a tragic scene just right down on the road in front of his place. He saw that a young man who lived about a mile down the road had been hauling some produce down the road and all of a sudden his wagon had turned upside down and there he stood beside a wagon flipped over, and a mountain of corn just piled up beside the road. He had the most tragic look on his face, like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to turn. And so the farmer walked down the road, and he said, Young Tom, let me tell you something. We're going to help you get out of this problem. This is what we'll do. You just come on up to the house, and you eat good lunch with me, and you'll feel better. And then when we've got lunch over with, well, then we'll take care of your problem here. And Tom looked at him and he said, you know, I'd, I'd like to do that, but my dad wouldn't like it. I need to just stay here. Now, Tom, listen, let me tell you something. You need to just come up to the house. We're going to have a great time. We've got a big lunch prepared. My wife has made a, a huge apple pie that we've got to enjoy. And I promise you, once you enjoy that meal and once you get some food in you, you'll feel better, you'll feel stronger, and then I'll go hitch up a team and we'll come over here and we'll flip your wagon and reload your corn and you can be on your way. Well, it sounds awfully good, but I just don't think my dad would want me to do that. Tom, I'm telling you, it will be okay. Come on up to the house and let's have lunch. So he did, and he walked up and they did. They had a big meal, two or three meats, a bunch of vegetables. That pie came out and they enjoyed dessert. And when it was over, the, the farmer said to, the, to young Tom, he said, okay, now let's go do something about your wagon. He said, Okay, and he said, I sure did enjoy the meal, and it did make me feel better, but I just don't think my dad is going to like this at all. And he said, listen, I'll handle things with your dad. I'll explain the situation, and everything will be fine. Now, where do I find your dad? He's under the corn down by the road. Sometimes you have to remember not to let yourself get distracted from the things that matter the most. And that's true not only in our life, it's true in our work, it's true in what we do at home, it's true everywhere we turn. We need to be careful not to be distracted, to keep the main thing the main thing. 
You need to stop, remember what matters, and focus. And that's what makes 2 Timothy chapter 2 an important chapter in the Bible. Throughout 2 Timothy, Paul is encouraging young Timothy to grow in his faith, to grow in his walk with God, and to grow in his spiritual leadership. And that's kind of the whole theme of the book of 2 Timothy. But in the second chapter, he especially focuses on one constant theme— Keep your attention on the things that, that matter most and don't allow yourself to be distracted. Remember what matters. And in this morning's passage, the one we read together this morning, Paul challenged Timothy to remember four critical spiritual realities. And we need to remember them as well. So let me remind you of four very simple realities that are so very rich that we need to remember as we keep the main thing, the main thing in our life. The first thing Paul said to Timothy is this. He said, Timothy, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Never forget that your faith is a walk. It is not a job assignment. One of the reasons that sometimes we find ourselves uh, slowing down in our walk with God, one of the times we find ourselves frustrated in our faith, it's because we have decided that my Christian faith is my assignment. It's my job. It's the thing I'm supposed to do well. But we're not called to follow a list of rules and regulations. We're not measured by what we got wrong and what we got right. Instead, the Bible says we have a completely different calling. We are personally called to follow Jesus Christ. And Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, remember Jesus. Remember who you were before you knew Jesus. Remember how you came to know Jesus. Remember what it was like when you began to follow Jesus. And look back over your life and try to remind yourself, following Jesus is not a job. Following Jesus is a privilege. It's an opportunity. It's a walk. We are personally called to follow Jesus. When your faith becomes stale and you struggle in your Christian walk, remember Jesus. When you're assaulted by doubt and fear, remember Jesus. When practicing Christianity has become a routine instead of a life, remember Jesus. And as you remember, remember you have been given an incredible privilege. You follow Jesus. It seems so strange, doesn't it? But sometimes we have to remind ourselves that that's our primary role as believers. Our primary role is to walk with Jesus. To know his presence in your life. To spend time with him as you pray. To recognize him as the very most important person that you could possibly know. And remember to follow Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to take companionship with Jesus, to serve Jesus. I do all of those things, not because it's a good thing to do and not because I'm trying to be a good church member, but because I have the privilege of knowing and following the Lord Jesus Christ. Never forget that. Sometimes it's easy to become distracted. 
Sometimes it's easy to measure yourself by those external things that determine whether or not people think you're a good Christian. Are you showing up at worship enough? Are you active in Sunday school? Do people see you standing in front of a group and praying? Are you doing those external things that are supposed to make you a, look like a good Christian? Those things really don't matter. What matters is, does the Lord Jesus Christ know you are seeking to follow him? You are committed to him. And you want to remember what it means to know and follow Jesus. Remember Jesus who drew you to God like a moth to a flame. Remember all he's done in your life. Take time, slow down, and remember Jesus. That's not an al always an easy thing. I was telling Rich just a little while ago about a, a book I'm reading right now about walking with God. And he talks about the fact that we follow a three-mile-an-hour God. You know where he came up with that term? He came up with that term because that's how far you walk in an hour. And the whole thrust of it was if you're walking with Jesus, you're not in a rush to get somewhere. You're not always in a hurry. Instead, you're taking time to walk with God. And you can't do that quickly. And you don't grow instantly. Instead, you walk with Jesus. And he changes you day by day, moment by moment, step by step. No wonder he invited you to follow him. Not to rush ahead. Not to fall behind, but to follow Jesus. And so Paul said to Timothy, remember Jesus. Timothy, as you're growing in your faith, Timothy, as you're growing in your leadership, Timothy, as you're investing in other people, remember who you serve and remember why you do what you do. And it's because you're walking with Christ. Remember Jesus. But Paul's not through. He also says this, and Timothy, remember the gospel. Remember, Jesus came to bring the good news of God's kingdom. The gospel is the message of salvation that the Lord has extended to every one of us. And the gospel reveals so much that we cannot be distracted away from. The gospel re reveals the intensity of God's hatred of sin. Not just because of what it is, but because of what it does to people. You know, so many times when we think about God and sin, we think, God, you're getting a little too serious about this thing. God, you shouldn't be so wound up about sin. And yet God hates sin intensely. He hates sin intensely because, number one, it is disobedience to him. Sin is choosing to go another way. It is recognizing where God is leading and deciding that's not the direction I want to follow. But the main reason that God hates sin so intensely is because of what sin does to you. Because he watches how sin causes people's lives to be destroyed and faith to be corrupted. He watches how sin draws people away from himself and toward an eternity without Christ. And he hates it. He hates it with all of his heart. 
Why does he hate it so much? Because he, he loves you so much. The gospel reveals the depth of God's love for you. Has any statement about the nature of God ever been stronger than for God so loved the world? And how young were you the first time you were told, instead of talking about the world, insert your own name there and recognize that's what it means, that God so loved you. God so loved you. What is the gospel? The gospel is that God's love is personal. That God's love is as rich as every one of us and he cares so deeply for you. The gospel reminds us that God knows who you are and God knows what's going on in your life and God knows your heart and God knows your hurt and God knows exactly what you're experiencing. And he loves you. He loves you intensely. He loves you deeply. And that's why the gospel reveals the extent to which God was, Christ was willing to become a sacrifice just to forgive you. He hates sin. He loves you. He gave himself. Nobody could take his life, so he gave his life. That's the gospel. You take it all in a nutshell, and what does it say? The God who loves you so much and who hates to see what sin has done to your life became the perfect sacrifice so that you could have an eternity with him. That's the gospel. When you remember the gospel, you're humbled. If you've ever experienced the gospel in your own life, then one of the things you recognize is this, and I don't deserve it, and I can't earn it. And honest, if I'm honest, I recognize God ought to turn away from me and turn to someone else. But he wouldn't do it. You're humbled. You're transformed. I'm a whole new person because of Jesus. You know, someone once said that if you're going to put your testimony together, you only need to talk about three things. You know, a lot of us are afraid to share our faith because we're afraid I won't have answers to everybody's questions. I won't be able to quote every scripture I need to. I might forget something I need to cover. But you know what? All you have to do to share with someone else is to be able to talk about three things. This is who I was before I knew Jesus. And this is how I met Jesus. And this is the difference that Jesus has made in my life. Because when you think about the gospel, that's what you think about. You think about the one who transformed you. You know, we all came to Jesus at different seasons in our lives. Some of you came to know Jesus when you were children. And you began to understand what it meant to be a sinner separated from God. And you accepted that and you believed it. But you know, as life has gone by, there have been times when even as a believer, 
you've made mistakes or you've stumbled and you recognize, but there never was a time when he turned away from me. The gospel reminds us that Jesus transforms lives. And some of you came to know Christ, but you came as, as adults. And I don't have to tell you remember who you used to be. Those are the things you try to forget. You try to forget what it was like. And you remember when you met him. And all of us are able to say, and this is who I am because I belong to him. Who I was and who I am are two different people because the gospel transforms lives. There's not a price too high to pay for the sake of the gospel. That's why Paul reminded Timothy. He said, according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. Paul said to Timothy, recognize who I am. You know what's gone on in my life. You know the places I've been. And you know the way that I've been treated in different places as I've shared the gospel with people. And there have been some who responded and they came to know the Lord. But there have been others who rejected the Lord and they rejected me. And you know the kind of suffering I've gone through. The kind of suffering that believers experience all of the time in our world today. And we recognize this, sometimes the gospel demands a price. Sometimes I'm a little embarrassed about us as believers here in America because we begin to say, you know what, I, I don't think I need to share my witness. I'm not sure I need to, to uh, reveal that I'm a believer because somebody might make fun of me. Somebody might reject me somebody might turn away from me because they know I'm a Christian and I think about all of those believers around the world without us and some are sacrificing and some are dying and some are in prison and they refuse to turn away from their gospel witness that's a powerful thing isn't it and as Paul said to Timothy remember the gospel he said you remember this and sometimes I'm even go, I have even gone to the point of chains for the sake of the gospel. And then he tells him a third thing. He says this. He says, and remember the word. See, I love the way Paul finishes that thought. This is what he says. According to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. And then he finishes it by saying this, but the word of God is not chained. There's nothing you can do to stop the word of God. It is free to reveal God's truth, to lead us to Jesus, to bring us to salvation. Paul reminded Timothy, you need to depend upon the word of God as you're trying to share the gospel, as you're trying to remember Jesus. Remember this, and you can remember this through the power of the word. The word of God, absolutely true. Nothing we need more in a world where there seems to be a shortage of unchanging truth. Where people are more likely to say, you have the things you believe and I have the things I believe. And what I believe is true is equally as relevant as what you believe is true. And all of us can believe something is true. But when you live in a time when anything is true, you also live in a time when nothing is true. 
And we need eternal truth. And that's what we find in the Word of God. We need to be exposed all the time to eternal truth. That's why it's so important that we read the morning scripture aloud together every Sunday. It's why I try to place every passage I quote on the screen as I'm preaching. It's because that's what really matters when it comes to Christian discipleship. It is vital that you have direct exposure to the word. More than anything I say, more than anybody else is going to say something. That you hear the word of God. That's why I constantly challenge you. Make time in the word a daily priority in your own walk with Christ. You need exposure to the truth. The Bible is our spiritual weapon. Defensively, it gives us light and truth so we can resist the attacks of the enemy. When we hear his lies and when we're exposed to his accusations and when he tries to tell us that God doesn't care, that God has turned away, that God is not there, we need to know in his word that he tells us, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. That's what God says. Offensively, it convicts and convinces and converts those who are open to its power. The Word of God is this divinely inspired tool for conveying truth into the lives of men. It is what God does. Why is this Word so important? Why is this Word so valuable? What is it about this Word? It's not because those who wrote this Word had great literary skills. It's not because those who read this word have decided for themselves, I will trust this and I will believe this. It is simply because God says, this is my truth. God says, this is my word. And anything you believe that it does not teach is wrong. And anything you embrace that you can't find supported in this word, it's not worth following. There is nothing but the word of God. That's why we have to make time in the word a priority. I know how easy it is to be distracted from the word. I know how other demands and other priorities seem to pull us away. And we begin to say to ourselves, it's not I don't believe the word. It's not even that I don't want to read the word. It's I will get around to it later. But right now, there's something else I need to do. Right now, there's somewhere else I need to be. Right now, I've got some other priority. I think right now I'll take time in the word. Wait, what is that on television? And we find ourselves pulled away from the word of God in so many ways. And yet, that's what we need more than anything. That time in the word, that personal time in the world. We have to refuse to allow ourselves to be distracted. We have to choose to make the main thing the main thing. And understand, when I talk about this, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to us. Because I struggle just like everybody else. 
I struggle just like everybody else to make sure that the Word of God has the place it deserves in my life. Last week I read a statement from Mark Batterson that convicted me to the core. This is what he said. Whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to be. Isn't that strong? Anything that keeps me from the Word is my enemy. And I have to treat it as such. Remember the Word. And then Paul said this, and Timothy Remember the promise. He continued on and he said that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. God's ultimate goal for every person is eternal life. That's why 2 Peter 3, 9 says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What does God want for your life? Well, there might be a lot of different answers, but one thing I know is this. God's desire for your life and my life and everybody's life is that we come into a living, personal, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's true of everybody in this room and it's true of everybody in this city and it's true of everybody in this nation and it's true of everybody in this world. God's great desire for all of us is that we come into a, lo a loving, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just happen automatically. What does Peter tell us? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You want to have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? You know what's involved? Repentance. Repentance. That's a word that we don't understand very well, and sometimes we don't quote it the way we should in Scripture. When we talk about repentance, too often what we see are those cartoons of the guy with the big sign that will say something along the lines of repent because the end is near. But you know, that's not what repentance is all about. Repentance is not just about a feeling. Repentance is not about having kind of a sorrow for what you've done. Repentance means turning your life in a whole new direction. When I say I come to repentance, what I'm really saying is this. Lord, I used to follow my own way. I used to follow the world's way. I used to follow the way that somebody else was leading. But now I'm following you. I am going to turn around and follow you. The promise of eternal life transforms your hope in two critical ways. First, it gives you the assurance of heaven. One of the things I know is this. If I belong to Jesus Christ, if he has forgiven my sins, if his sacrifice has covered me with his blood, then I know this, and the day is going to come when I'm going to leave this world. Either I'm going to die or the Lord's coming back, but one way or another, I'm going to leave this world. And when I leave this world, I don't wonder what's going to happen next. I already know there's an assurance of heaven. I know that the time is going to come when I'm going to be in that place that is the Father's kingdom. I'm going to sit at the Father's table. I'm going to be at the, uh, kneel at the feet of my Savior Jesus, and I'm going to have the opportunity to take that crown that I've earned and lay it at his feet. And I know that's true because that's what happens 
when we repent and turn to Jesus. The second way you're transformed is that your experience of eternal life begins in the here and now. Sometimes we think eternal life is something that happens in the instant after you die. In the moment after you come to heaven, go to heaven. But eternal life begins the moment you are saved. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. God gives you a dynamic relationship with him and you become his eternal child. So that we don't say, I will be saved one of these days. We don't say, I have been saved. We also say, I am being saved. Right here, right now, because of my relationship with Jesus, God walks with me. His Holy Spirit guides me. I live for him, and he is the one I seek to please. Remember the promise. We are the people of his promise and it gives us hope and it gives us endurance and it gives us security that nothing can take us out of his hand. And because all of these things are true, Paul commanded Timothy, don't be distracted. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Remember the gospel. Remember the word. Remember the promise. Remember Jesus. I guess the question this morning is, do you have that relationship with Christ Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with him. Oh, you have a a, a vague idea that you believe and who he was and that you believe in what he said but you don't know him not in a personal way and that's what he wants for you he just wants you to know him to come to that point of transformation repentance turning around and going his way he wants you to know what it means to be forgiven of your sins so you can let them go and they can never have a grasp on you again he wants you to know what it is to walk with him day by day and today if you're not a Christian that's what you need And in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing an invitation hymn. And I'll be here at the front. Dr. Hutchins will be here in the front. And there's nothing we would like more than to introduce you to the Savior who changes everything. And if you'd like to be saved today, all you've got to do is you come down the aisle, you take one of us by the hand, and we will introduce you to the Savior. Or maybe you're here today and you're recognizing God wants me to be part of what he's doing right here at First Baptist Church. I want to be a member of this place. I want to invest myself in serving him and following him and worshiping with his people and this is where he wants me to be. And you need to come and just say it's time for me to bring my membership to this place. Or maybe he's dealing with you about something very specific in your life and you just want somebody to pray with you about it. And you might need to come and just say Here's where where I am. I want to rededicate my life. I'm dealing with this particular issue. I want you to pray with me. You come. Whatever God may be doing in your life today, if he's speaking to you, and as we stand and as we sing, you come. Let's stand together. Let's sing. So
God's house. I'm glad we got to share this time together. My prayer is that we will always remember. Remember Jesus. Remember the gospel. Remember the word. Remember his promise. Let's bow together for our final prayer and then one concluding song. Father, we do thank you that just like Timothy, we are called to remember the things that matter the most. Father, they seem so simple, and yet, Lord, they are so profound. Help us, Father, to make it a part of who we are and how we follow. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.